Want your voice to be heard? Dial us up now at 239-1260. This is Query and Schultz on Fox Sports 1260 Indy Sports Station. Thanks again to Chris Hagan for joining us. Good stuff as always. And thanks to you for joining us on the show today. The final of the Query vacation days as he will return tomorrow and he will not be out again until ooh when's St. Pete Sam? March 15th uh, so we get five straight months of Jay Quarry in here sad really is we'll never have Sam back here in studio again which is also going to be sad as this is his last day before he Departs for Emmis. He's already actually started at Emmis, but um, just departs for good at Emmis. So what are you working on sleep-wise right now, Sam? I got a solid six hours. Oh, that's not bad. No, because I, I got home at 6.15 this morning and was asleep by about 7.30 and then slept till 2 with, uh, with – I woke up a little bit in there. So, Are yeah, you a good napper? Like, does this throw you? Um. I, or are I, you good with it? I'm good for right now. I couldn't do this every week, but I, you know I'll make it through tonight and then in tomorrow. My weekend starts at 5:45 on Friday morning, so that's kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll be all right. Um, I, I typically sleep like nine hours a night though, so I, I can't do this on a regular basis. Yeah, because I'm kind of like you, where I I have to I need sleep. Um, I can't function without at least like six and a half or right around there. And some people are probably going crazy my wife requires like 45 minutes of sleep per night I'm pretty sure she's nocturnal and she's an overnight nurse um but for me when I worked mornings or whenever my schedule like gets messed up and I feel like I have to I have to take a nap or I'm back in the day when I used to stay out late um I never had problems like just immediately falling asleep or like hotels or airplanes or wherever um I'm great at just zonking out wherever, and Query apparently has a big problem with that. He's like a straight insomniac, and yeah, I'm I'm pretty good about it anywhere. normally. The problem is, you know, and this is something that I know a ton of people have problems with. You can't just get home from work and immediately go to sleep. No, so there's like a wind down period sure. there, and you also have to eat like everything that you own in the house when you come <laughs> back. Uh, that was the big problem for me working mornings is that I'd just be hungry all the time because you just have no like no real meal schedule. When it comes to that, Colts and Texans gearing up to take on one another in a huge showdown coming up here Sunday. Colts open as a two point favor. That line now down to a point. And incredibly enough, they've actually lost three or four. Hagan mentioned this. They've lost three or four to the Texans. And remember, there was a long span there, 13 years, in fact, from when the Texans' inception to 2014 through the 2014 season, where the Colts never lost at home to. The Texans, whether it be the Dome or Lucas Oil Stadium, 13 straight wins. Since then, three out of four. A couple of really embarrassing wins by teams led by Brandon Whedon and Brock Osweiler. And really, those two games are what I really remember about the Pagano era. There was this feeling that the 2015 and 2016 teams, well, at least they went 8-8 eight and eight and they didn't have a losing record. Both of those teams should have won the division. Both of them. And they didn't because they lost December home games to middling Texans teams with Brandon Whedon and Brock Osweiler, a quarterback. So those ones really stung. I mean, yeah, when you point to embarrassing losses for the Colts, you could point to that that ridiculous game two years ago 
here where Jacksonville shut them out 30 donut and sacked them 10 times or whatever it was. You could point to that Rams game from six or seven years ago where they got run out of the building by Tavon Austin and and not a very good Rams team. But I really feel like those two Houston games were uh, – those two Houston games were kind of like what the Colts did to – the division for so long and and that was go to the other team's place and crush their souls I mean how many times have the Colts gone to Nashville and just handed the Titans a soul crushing loss or in Houston where they've actually played very well T.Y. Hilton in particular and handed the Texans a soul crushing loss they handed two of them to him last year beat him in the regular season came back and, and beat him in a 21-7 game that wasn't nearly as close as what the final score indicated. The Colts blew out Houston last year in the playoffs. That game wasn't close. That game was over in in the first quarter. They dominated them. And those two games have kind of – they don't seem to stick with anybody else, but they stick with me. Maybe because I was mad at Pagano during that time, or I was mad – I was mad at a lot of things. Grigson, you know, the whole whole brain trust of the Colts, it was – it was not a fun era. Uh, I, I would happily take the 2017 season or the 2011 season where I can just totally check out because you knew those teams were bad and there was nothing that was going to change and there was no hope, so you didn't have the expectation of anything other than what happened, and that was 2-14 and 14 and 4-12. and 12. I would take those seasons over 15-16. and 16 where you teased yourself into thinking the Colts are going to have a chance, and especially in 15 when we all thought in this town that they were going to win like 12, 13 games and contend for a Super Bowl, and they fell well short of that. Um, Those are the truly disappointing seasons. Those are the ones where you're pulling your hair out September through December, and then you're sitting at home in January just like you are with those bad teams. But if you look ahead here at at the Colts' schedule and what they have coming up, and I'm – hesitant to do this because I always trick myself into doing this and this is the type of season in the NFL where we really just can't make definitive statements like at Pittsburgh on paper looks like a game the Colts should win but that game's going to be a headache Uh, Denver is competent Denver's not any good but they're competent the only game on here where you say okay that's easy I can I can rake leaves at halftime is Miami That's a game that's going to be an easy win, and there's really no reason to think otherwise. But you get past this Houston game, and the Colts have three of their next four at home, four of their next six at home. So if they're able to win to get to four and two, you know, Denver at home, at Pittsburgh, Miami at home, Jacksonville at home, at Houston, and Tennessee at home, I think you're thinking to yourself that four and two would be certainly realistic and, and maybe even in some cases a worst-case scenario, that puts you at 8-4 and four heading into the home stretch of the season with the final month being all NFC South teams and then a trip to Jacksonville in Week 17. So at Tampa, at New Orleans, Carolina at home, and at Jacksonville. And if we're to assume that 10 wins gets it done in this division – I think you'd feel pretty good about the Colts' chances in splitting those games, right? I mean, I'm taking the extreme long view here to convince myself of a a 10-win season, but I think it just shows how critical this Houston game is because if you lose this Houston game at home, suddenly you're 3-3, three and three, 
the presumption is if you lose in Indy to Houston that it's going to be really difficult to go to Houston and then beat them, right? I mean, this looks like a legitimately good Texans team, even though I think we all think positive things about this Colts team. And then the the road becomes a little more rocky. I, I think one good thing you can say about the Colts is that if we are to plan for the worst-case scenario and they lose Sunday and they lose grip on the division and they don't get in a, via the AFC South, there are other opportunities for them to get in, kind of like last year with the wild card. Um, entering the season, I was shut off to the idea that the Colts would have enough wins to be in the wild card hunt. Now, I'm not so shut off to that because you've got to find six playoff teams somehow and two wild cards, and, and it's going to be really difficult to do in this year's AFC where everybody just kind of looks mediocre to bad. Or I shouldn't say that. Um, above average to bad because there are some teams that, that look decently good. I still don't know what we have with Baltimore. I still don't know what we have with the Raiders. The Bills probably are good, but it's still the Bills, so there's a mental hurdle that you have to jump over there when it comes to them. You're going to get Ann mad again. I am going to get – I don't mean to get Ann Madigan. I think she'd agree with that. It, it, it's tough even for Bills fans to accept that this team might be good. But the Chiefs in the West, let's just say the Ravens in the North, even though I, I still think Cleveland gets into the mix. Everybody's writing off Cleveland. They've played a murderous schedule so far. They they certainly have to get their ish together. But that's still a team to me that if things click, I think they can go on a run. And New England – you've got, if we're just to take the division leaders right now, Houston, Kansas City, Ravens, Patriots, and if that holds serve, which it won't, but let's just say for the sake of this conversation it does, you've got two wild card spots for the Bills, Browns, Steelers, Colts, Raiders. I I don't really expect anybody else to get into that mix. Maybe the Chargers? Jacksonville, I mean, I don't really view them as a playoff team. I think Tennessee's just going to fade off into oblivion. Cincinnati stinks. Miami stinks. The Jets don't have the horses. The Broncos don't look like they have right. the horses. I mean, that, that's that's kind of the lay of the land with where we sit today. I don't know. I'm not super concerned about this game because we saw it last year. They, they lost at home to Houston. They end up getting the wild card, and they beat Houston in the, in the wild card game on the road. So, I, it's the sixth game of the year for the Colts. It's it's not a must win. They they can have a very successful season without winning the division. So I I'm not that concerned about it. No, I, I, I and I don't want to get it twisted. I don't think it's a must win either, Sam. My point is is that if you win this game, the Colts could stay firmly in control of this division for six weeks at least until the next Houston game. They could stay atop the AFC South. And if you lose this game suddenly, then it's very likely going to go the other way where you're playing catch-up all year long. And, yes, I saw what they did last year, but that's – you don't want that. You don't want to have to do the fire drill over the last 10 weeks of the season to put together a wild-card run like the Colts did. And and luckily, you know, 3-2 and 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 1-5, there's a big difference between how they've kind of started out of the gate here, obviously. 239-1260, next on the show, we'll welcome in um, a, a newbie to this Colts roster who had, I think, really kind of a breakthrough performance, at least in his time in Indianapolis last week at Arrowhead, the revenge game for Justin Houston. He'll talk about that with us when he joins the show next. It's Corian Schultz, Fox Sports 1260. They're the two most handsome fellas in Midtown. You're listening to Quarian Schultz on Fox Sports 1260, Indy Sports Station. Welcome back. It's Corian Schultz here on Fox Sports 1260. We've talked plenty of Colts and Texans, and that will continue as the two teams have a huge AFC South showdown coming up here on Sunday. 
But of course, in the last Colts game, the big standout performer among many standout performers was the AFC Defensive Player of the Week in his homecoming to Kansas City. Justin Houston had a sack, a critical stop on fourth down, and he joins us now, hoping to keep up that positive momentum into Sunday's game. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Justin. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. When you have a performance like you just had and a team win like you guys overall just had, would you have rather played last week than had the bye, or is the bye the bye and you're cool with it no matter where it lands? Yeah, I'm cool with it no matter where where it lands. It's just you got to stay focused and continue to work during the bye. Because we don't experience it like you guys do day to day, what can you tell fans about what the buy is like to help you guys reset? I, I think people understand maybe the physical toll, but I don't know if they really understand the mental grind of you guys really starting in late July and, and there is no break outside of that those couple of days. Uh, it's very important for you to get away from the game for a while. Just continue to work on your body physically and just focus on your body, preparing it and building it up and taking care of all the little nicks and bruises and not having to actually focus on football and watch it and film. So anytime you can step away and just get a good deep breath, it helps you be more focused when you come back. So I think that's good for the for the, for the the team. Did you get out of town or did you end up sticking around here? Uh, I went back home to Atlanta. We're joined by Justin Houston here as the Colts get ready for their matchup with the Texans. Uh, the defense didn't play well in the second half against Atlanta, and it felt like maybe that carried over a little bit in the Raiders' loss. Did something change in between the Oakland performance and the Kansas City performance, or how were you guys able to kind of regroup as a unit and put together what I thought, Justin, I've, I've been watching this team for almost 15 years. I thought that was the most dominant single-game defensive performance I've ever seen from a Colts team. I think we just we prepare hard every week. Uh, it's just starting to pay off. But we just got to continue to stay focused and continue to stack bricks, and just continue to stay on the grind. Continue to focus. Everyone, every man in the group, got to continue to work and find a way to get better week in and week out. So we're just looking to improve and keep continuing to get better. How much easier does it make your job up front when you can trust the guys behind you? Because I felt like every level of the defense took care of business. The secondary and coverage and mixing in the man and then the linebackers and you guys generating pressure up front. It just felt like a, a well-oiled machine there for four quarters. Oh, yes. Anytime you can uh, be on the same page as a group, that's what you want. That's what you strive to do every week, week in and week out. And I think it was great communication from the front end to the back. So anytime we could be on the same page and play, at one, play as one, it makes us hard and we can play, we do a lot of great things. I know you were not obsessing over the Kansas City game because you asked, were asked a million questions about going back to Arrowhead where you spent all those successful seasons, but when you did step out on that field last Sunday night, was it a little bit surreal to be on the other side of things? Uh, no, it didn't, it didn't bother me. It didn't phase me at all. I treat it like I treat every game. So I just I put that behind me and I moved forward. So I was just focused on one play at a time. Was that a messy divorce from Kansas City, Justin, or was it just, hey, look, they made a business decision and I had to do what's best for me, so whatever? Yes, uh, they definitely made a business decision. I think uh, they did what they thought was best for them, so I had to do what's best for me. We're talking with Colts pass rusher Justin Houston. You've been a longtime established star player in this league. What do you think about some of the young guys on this team, particularly Kamoko Ture, who unfortunately the one drawback of that win in Kansas City was you lost him for the rest of the season. What do you think about his skills and also the impact of losing him for the rest of 2019? Uh, I think we got a lot of great players and a lot, a lot of talent on this team. I think Chris Ballard did a great job putting this team together, him and his staff. And uh, Kamoko, he's a great rusher. He's, his talent is, uh, is through the roof. Uh, his athleticism, he can rush the passer. He's a great edge rusher. 
and he's he's young, so he's only going to get better. So the the sky's the limit for that kid. Is there something instinctive that that young guys either have or don't have, or can all of these skills be developed over time? His athleticism is something you either born with or you're not. He uh, he definitely have the athleticism that will help take him to another level. We're joined by Justin Houston, the Colts pass rusher in the AFC Defensive Player of the Week last week. Uh, overall, Justin, what's this been like for you being a, an older veteran and being around such a young, energetic locker room? Well, I think this is the way the NFL is going now. Uh, I was in, when I was in KC, the, the locker room was young. So it's just not this team. It's a lot of teams in the NFL that are just going real young. So it's a very slim chance that you'll have an older guy. And um, I don't mind being a, a lot of guys ask me a bunch of questions, what I do and how I stay healthy. So I just any way I can help him, I'm, I, I try my best to. What's your relationship like with Robert Mathis? He was obviously a, a peer of yours, uh, and and in 2013, 2014, kind of early in your career, uh, you guys were two of the top pass rushers in the entire AFC. But uh, what's that relationship been like now that you're in Indianapolis and you see him day to day? We got a great relationship. Uh, each, every week we we go over a pass rush game plan. We sit down and talk and discuss guys, uh, their weaknesses and their strength and ways to beat them and things that we'll work on them. We're talking with Colts pass rusher Justin Houston. What do you think of Indy so far? I'd imagine it's not that much of a departure from Kansas City, kind of the, the laid-back Midwestern sort of feel. Uh, it's a great city. I, I'm starting to enjoy it. Remind me of Kansas City. Uh, you have a charitable cause that I wanted to touch on real quick before we let you go as well. Like many of your teammates, uh, you guys do stuff off the field. I believe it's called Faith Before Fame. What can you tell us about that organization, Justin? Uh, it's just it's just an organization that loves to help others in need. So any, it's not just a specific group. We try to help all. It doesn't matter age or who you are. So if you're in need or help, we try to help all people. You can check that out online, by the way, faithbeforefame.org. Last thing here, have you ever sung or have you ever thought about, like, starting a, a side job in radio? Because you have a fantastic, like, you almost got, like, a Barry White thing going on with your voice. No, I think I'm stick to football. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you've been pretty good at that. Congratulations on the award from last week, and hope you guys keep up the great work uh, coming up here against Houston on Sunday. All right, appreciate it. <laughs> That's Justin Houston, and... Uh, sometimes I'm like, should I make jokes on the show, or... Do I sound like my dad when I'm trying to do that? You know what I mean? But did, didn't his voice kind of sound? I mean, he's kind of got like the deep. Definitely. I, I think he's got a great voice. Definitely could could be a post, post-career post avenue for him. And it, it was funny to hear the week before the Kansas City game. You know, it's just another game. It doesn't mean that much. You know that meant we, something. We knew that yeah. wasn't true. Yeah, I, I, I and I don't want to, uh, you know, I wasn't going to challenge him on it, but um, he, he took the company line, and that's fine, but. We're all human at the end of the day, and um, I think you can carry yourself in a professional way and avoid the appearance that it's really affecting you, and I think Houston did that, but I think we'd be lying to ourselves if that didn't play some sort of a role. Um, You spend seven, eight years in a place, and you have great years there, and you do a lot of winning there. And then suddenly they say, you're not good enough for us anymore. We got to move on. There's going to be a, an emotional response to that. You can be the most professional professional to have ever professionaled, and you'll still have an emotional response to that. And I think we saw it, Sam, on the field. Does Justin Houston have that same performance if it's a Sunday night football game against the Steelers? Uh, probably not. And the motion of the moment on the fourth down stop where he looked over at the Kansas City bench, he wanted that. And good for him. I I don't blame him for wanting that. 
And if he doesn't want people to focus on it, I get it that he, you know, kind of wants to give a non-answer for that. But do I think deep down that there was a little bit something more in the tank for that game? Yeah, 100% I do. 100%. We have the Colts injury report from today's practice. A positive development for one of their standout players defensively. I'll have that for you next. Also, the annual NBA GM survey has the Pacers picked lower than where most are picking them. I'll tell you the results of that when we come back as well. It's Corey and Schultz, Fox Sports 1260. They're contractually obligated to follow each other on Twitter. You're listening to Corey and Schultz on Fox Sports 1260 Indy Sports Station. Jake is still in France. He will return to the show tomorrow and have all kinds of stories, I'm sure. In fact, he may be en route right now. I'm not exactly sure what his flight itinerary is, but I know that yesterday was their last full day, and I think they left earlier today, which would mean they're five or six hours ahead. So he may be in the process of landing right now. Maybe he's listening to the show right now. Who knows? I usually don't listen when I'm away because I don't like the sound of Jake's voice. I mean, you don't have the, uh, like, find my iPhone, like, track my friends on of jake's phone i don't know (laughs) you know who's the biggest flight tracker that i've ever met before is my dad uh my dad i I don't know besides watching um who's the guy on the stock market channel what is that cnbc who rolls his sleeves up jim kramer kramer yeah besides watching jim kramer my dad's biggest passion in life is tracking my flights or my sister's flights or um, he tracked my in-laws' flights. Like he just sits at his computer and, and just makes sure that everything's okay. When the second that my phone gets service, I'm dead serious when I say this. The second that my phone gets service when I land, within 30 seconds, I will get a text message from my dad. Hey, happy to see you landed in Baltimore or you know wherever I'm connecting or wherever I'm going. But uh, Jake will be back tomorrow, so um, I I know he's got the story of him finally meeting those folks in London that he cold-called like 30 years ago, and they (laughs) sent each other Christmas cards. It's a weird story unless it's Jake. When you know that it's Jake, then it's less weird because he just has weird relationships like this, but um, I I actually think it's kind of a cool story, a cool-slash-weird story. Colts injury report from this afternoon's practice, a positive development for Malik Hooker, who was back limited, but still back at practice after missing yesterday. Um, He's got the knee issue, the torn meniscus, which was cleaned up. So maybe we'll see Malik Hooker out there on Sunday, but it's just good to see him making positive progress. Not so positive progress for Kenny Moore who missed practice for the second straight day with a knee issue. Tyquan Lewis has been dealing with stuff all year long. He's a DNP the last two days. Ditto for Pierre Desir with a hamstring and Paris Campbell with his abdominal issue. Uh, Two other newbies on the DNP list include Justin Houston with a calf, which uh, unfortunately I wasn't able to ask him about because we just saw this now, but he did not participate uh, after being a, a full go yesterday. Actually, he was a dash, dash, dash yesterday, so he wasn't even on the injury report yesterday. Eric Ebron also had an illness, so he did not participate today. Uh, Full go for Clayton uh, Gathers, who I would assume is going to play on Sunday. Zaire Franklin, same thing, who's dealing with a hamstring. So not a very large 
injury report for the Colts, but still a lot of names on there of guys who are uh, contributors or even to the point of frontline starters for them, like Moore and Hooker uh, and Ebron, who they're going to miss not having around if those guys can't go. Uh, the NBA GMs release their season predictions, and I always like looking at this because you got 30 of them, right, and they, they vote on best team, MVP, guy you would start a franchise with. Sometimes that's the same guy. Biggest steal of the offseason, most unheralded move or most surprising move, best assistant. And the Pacers uh, were littered all over this. But they were picked to finish sixth in the East, which is lower than the Vegas projections and lower than some of the other ones that I've seen for them this season. I mean, not drastically lower. Most people expect Indiana to, fi- to finish smack dab in the middle of the the playoffs. So somewhere in that four to six range. But six would be on the low end of some of the predictions that I've seen. Um, the NBA GMs have both Brooklyn and Toronto in front of the Pacers. I do think Toronto is an important one because I think the assumption is Oh, they lost Kawhi, so they're they're you know they're they're gonna fall off a cliff, and I don't think that's gonna happen with them. Will they fall off? Yeah, of course. Uh, Toronto's not gonna win the title without Kawhi Leonard, but I don't think that they're just going to like fall into the abyss and be terrible or anything like that. Um, you know, that's still a roster that has talent. And we've seen growth from some of their guys as well. Um, and and I, I like how they kind of fit in together as a team. Like, you might not have necessarily an A guy out of that group, but Siakam and, and Lowry and uh, we, we mentioned Ananobi. Sam and I were talking about OG Ananobi yesterday. Um, I, I expect that team to still kind of be in that mix. Uh, I'm fascinated to see what what happens with Brooklyn because if we're to assume that Durant isn't going to be available for them at least until very late in the year, um, you know what's Kyrie going to do with this change of scenery and, and going home, if you will? But no one's ever questioned Kyrie's talent. The question for him has always been: Does he have his head on straight? Is he uh, is he going to be a space cadet while he's out there? But that's a team that has a, a really good core of guys that were already there. So you expect to be them in that mix as well. But uh, Pacer 6, assistant coach Dan Burke, who I volunteered with one time at a uh, – they do this open house Thanksgiving dinner thing, and, and Dan Burke – I was serving mashed potatoes, and Dan Burke was on the yam station, and we were right next to each other. And I talked to him for like an hour. He's a great dude. Um, I love his in-game interviews that he does on FS Indiana. Those are always hilarious. Yeah. And he's been kind of their defensive coordinator for years and years and years, a, a, a span that has now um, gone over several regimes, the Vogel regime, the, the McMillan regime. He was picked tied for best assistant. Malcolm Brogdon received votes for the most surprising move and the most underrated acquisition as well. And Goga was voted third for the biggest steal. How about that? Wow. Yeah, people like their Goga. Obviously, I mean, this this pretty much goes without saying, but if Vic is healthy, then that sixth, I, th- I think, moves up a little bit. I think sixth is pretty fair, considering that it's such an unknown with, yeah, you with don't Victor. Know. And yeah, so and much new. Uh, and there's sure. a lot of teams dealing with new, but um, the Pacers especially, you know, essentially, if you take – taking Oladipo out of the mix as well, outside of Turner and Sabonis, this is a full-team turnover. Mm. It's a full-team turnover. So 
you're implementing new guys, it's a little bit more difficult to project where they're going to be than guys who you've already seen, like Bogdanovich and Young and, and Joseph and Collison and all these guys that were here for a couple of years who you were kind of better able to gauge exactly what they were going to be. And obviously so much has changed in this time period, but imagine two years ago before Victor's first season, if you had said, yeah, Victor's hurt, he's going to be out for the, the first portion of the year. Yeah, the Pacers are projected to finish sixth. That's kind of a disappointment. You'd be like, sign me up for that in yeah, two for years. Real. Yeah, it's really? funny. It's funny how we kind of view that now. Um, I am interested to see where things go for Oladipo because we've kind of been down this road before where – suddenly somebody has a breakthrough and we're just assuming that this player is going to be this or that. And then, you know, I, I do sometimes wonder, I'm not, I'm not going to make excuses for him because I, I think Paul George mentally held himself back from being the player that he's become with Oklahoma City. Um, and I, I think that's on George. I don't think that that's on his broken leg. But that broken leg wiped out that entire season, which – it stunk that we didn't get to see what he could have been that year. And now Oladipo with the blown um what, what was it a quad injury? Was it Achilles? I'm trying to remember I'm trying to remember what it was. It was quad, quad. right? Yep. God, it, it feels like it was so long ago that I forgot even what the injury was. Um now with that and seeing what, what he's gonna be when he comes back, because he had this big breakout, and and I think that he was impacted last year by the whole thing because uh he just didn't look right. November and December of last year, he didn't look right. He hit some big shots. He had some big games, but it just looked like something wasn't quite there with him. And then the injury happens, and it just kind of wipes everything out. But, um, you know, are we to assume that Victor Oladipo is, now that he's gotten to this level of all-NBA second team and all-NBA all-defense, that he's going to suddenly stay on that level. And I just don't know if it's that easy, especially after what used to be a career-altering injury and nowadays, at the very least, is not a uh, a career-ender, but still a very, very serious injury, about as serious of an injury as you can have with the quad. We'll re-rack the big headlines of the day when we come back. Also, 5 o'clock hour, our friend Evan Altman is going to come in studio, and he's got a really interesting um, story behind a new tattoo that he got. And there was a lot of talk about it last night on Twitter. And uh, I'm just going to let him explain it himself when we when he comes in studio coming up here in about 15 minutes. It's Corey and Schultz, Fox Sports 1260. This job is the longest Query has ever gone without being fired. You're listening to Query and Schultz on Fox Sports 1260 Indy Sports Station. Rolling along nicely on this lovely fall Thursday afternoon. Thanks for making us a part of your day. It's Corey and Schultz, Fox Sports 1260. I'm your host, Derek Schultz. Jake is in France. Well, he's not really in France anymore, uh, but he's not here. Uh, He won't be here until tomorrow when he returns with all kinds of stories and hopefully some gifts, some super touristy stuff like a tinfoil Eiffel Tower or something. I'm, I'm expecting to get something demeaning. Uh, this is also Sam Rumsa's last day. We're going to share the the tearful or save the tearful goodbyes and share them with you uh, at the end of the show today. But if you want to tweet Sam, good luck at MS at Sam Rumsa. You could feel free to do so. Um, I forgot my cooler to empty out the uh, drink fridge of all that Founders Founders Brewing beer. It's good. Yeah, I'm assuming you guys over at MS have. Do you just have vending machines? Do you not have like a free for all? I haven't found a free for all yet. Okay. I've been drinking tea overnight uh, to stay a little bit caffeinated and soothe my voice, you know, because I have to do eight sports updates. That is a lot. 
I actually kind of miss doing sports updates. I really liked when I uh, would do those. And, and even early on, even early on in this show's history, when Gunner would be out, which occasionally happens, um, I would sit in and voice the spots. And then our old boss, like four bosses ago, was like, hey, don't do that. And I said, well, why? I kind of like doing the sports updates. He's like, no, don't, don't do sports updates in your own show. It makes the show sound small time. And I was like, well, it kind of hurts my feelings, but okay, I'll do what you say. And so I've never done a sports update since then. But I always kind of liked it. Uh, re-racking the big headlines of the day, we had mentioned uh, in the last segment the Colts injury report as they hit the practice field for the second time today to continue preparations for that crucial Texans showdown. Malik Hooker back, but limited. Uh, Clayton Gathers a full participation. I'm not really sure that even getting – you'd rather have Gathers back, I guess, but at this point, Cardi Willis is, is going to stay on the field, I think, and be the primary guy at the other safety spots. So I, I, I wonder how much really um, having Gathers back matters. H- having Hook, Hooker back matters because he's a playmaker and, um, and a threat back there. And I'm not saying that Gathers isn't a good player. Gathers is fine. But with the amount that he's been hurt and with the way that Kari Willis has looked so far, I, I think his days as a Colt probably are numbered at this point. Pacers finalized their roster with uh, three cuts, even though I'm not so sure it's final. They just added somebody else today. The October 21st is officially the deadline, so they've got a couple of days in wiggle room here. But they made three cuts yesterday. Amita Brima, the big man out of UConn, uh, C.J. Wilcox, and Walt Lemon Jr. No surprise with um, any of those. And, and Brima and Wilcox, if my understanding is correct, if they end up signing with Fort Wayne, they get a bonus money out of mm-hmm. that. So those guys can still end up with the G League team which may have been what the expectation was all along. I mean, Brema, his entire career has been a G League player. He was a G League player with the Spurs, and I'm not expecting that to change. Uh, he he very It was very unlikely he was going to make this roster anyway. Yeah, no surprises there. I think they played all three combined to, less, combined to play 25 minutes or less in all the preseason games. So, yeah, no, no real surprises there. That None of them played in the preseason finale. Um was it it's lemon or wilcox that had dealt with the achilles issue he had originally signed before last season but then missed all of last season with yeah. the achilles issue last season was a wash for him um i am kind of interested we were talking about this with mark monteith yesterday and i'm not sure how much you were listening to sam because you're trying to tr- train uh back there but with the back end of this roster i think you've got a lot of useful players like tj mcconnell isn't a great player but he's a useful player Justin Holiday isn't a great player, but he's a useful player. I think Kevin Pritchard and and Chad Buchanan and whoever else you want to give credit for for this, the entire front office really did a nice job at the very back of the roster with some of these spots. Um, and those guys could all play, I think, in a pinch. Um, and I think that you will see them out there. I just don't expect them to be in the rotation. Like even McConnell, I think they want Aaron Holiday to have those minutes. But McConnell's here just in case – I don't know, there's an injury or you just want to kind of have a guy that's been around the block a little bit to be back there to lean on. Astros and Yankees resume the ALCS tonight from the Bronx. Granke against Tanaka, both on full rest after yesterday's round. This is a must win for the Yankees. If they if they lose tonight, the series is over. Um, but if they find a way to win tonight, then, then they're still in it because you've got Verlander coming back on full rest, followed by Garrett Cole. Um, and you would need to win those two games just to stay alive for a seventh game. 
So the Yankees 100% absolutely have to have this one. And I, I think you knew that going in, that they were going to have to win the, the non-Verlander and Cole starts to give themselves a chance and then try to steal one against one of those two guys. Yeah, I mean, uh, they were originally going to go with the bullpen day last night. So yeah. a break for them. They were able to get to Grinky in game one. We'll see. The, the wind is really blowing out to right field. And you know how easy it is to hit a home run to right field at Yankee Stadium. But the wind is gusting out as of right now anyway so it, it's a break for them in the immediacy of it it's a break for them because they can go to Tanaka on full rest but ultimately in the long term this actually hurts the Yankees because now you've got games Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday there's no break and the Astros know they could get seven or eight innings from Verlander or Cole at the drop of a hat the Yankees don't know they can get that from whoever the hell they're going to throw next Paxton Severino and and so there's no rest day in between so let's say especially tonight let's say Tanaka doesn't have anything and he gets chased after the second inning Yankees are screwed because you got to burn up those bullpen guys and then you're, you're there's no off day you, you got to keep going here so at the very least you're going to play three more games you're hoping if you're the Yankees if you're going to win this series and and that's going to be really difficult to do. I mean they they essentially need to replicate the game 1 performance tonight. They got to win going away 7 nothing, have Tanaka throw 6 7 innings and and really be in a position to win these other games cuz it's going to get really really difficult for them with no off days in between. Final headline Bradley Beal signing a 2-year extension in Washington. He won't become a free agent until 2022. He's going to make uh 72 million over the next 2 years. And that doesn't even start until the next season. And uh, then Bradley Beal will be in line to sign the richest contract in NBA history because he will have the the 10 years under his belt and he could sign for some obscene number at 28 years old where I think he'd make $255 million for whatever it's worth. And that's if he stayed in Washington, which I'm not so sure that he would do. So if you were wondering, because there was some question as to Beal's immediate future, um, it's going to remain in Washington for another couple of years before he's out there again. 239-1260, Evan Altman's going to join us in studio next. Speaking of baseball, we'll talk a little bit of baseball with him. He's a Cubs insider. But I invited him because he's got this great story about this large tattoo that he received on his left arm, which originally people were saying, oh, that's a joke, right? But it's actually a nod to uh, to somebody special in his life. I thought it was cool. It's a neat story. So Evan's going to come in studio and share that. And uh, we'll talk baseball. We'll talk Colts as well. Um, plenty to get to when we come back in one minute. It's Corey and Schultz, Fox Sports 1260.